0: Oh, well, good morning Cornerstone. Good morning. A warm welcome to any visitors we have joining us today and a warm welcome to also for those joining us online. Um, if you haven't met me yet, my name is Michael Risk and I'm part of the ministry staff here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. Today we are looking at the final chapter in our series in the Book of Lamentations. For those unfamiliar with the Book of Lamentations, Lamentations is written after the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. The book of Lamentations are five poems. Five poems of lament, each poem expressing profound grief to the destruction of Jerusalem. As we look together at Lamentations 5, this chapter is different from the rest of the book. Verse, it's the shortest chapter in the book. 22 verses, but each verse is just one line. And unlike the other chapters of the book, it's not an acrostic poem. Chapters 1 to 4 were acrostic poems, alphabet poems in the Hebrew alphabet. This one is not. And this is perhaps suggesting that this poem is different from all the others. And I want to suggest the reason for this is the text is addressing ongoing grief ongoing grief to the destruction of Jerusalem. As we've looked at the book of Lamentations together, I've suggested that each of the poems expresses grief from a different viewpoint. In Lamentations 1, we heard from our abandoned widow. In Lamentations 2, we were given a tragic report. Lamentations 3, we felt the struggles of an afflicted man. In Lamentations 4, we saw the futility of sin expressed by an average citizen. And then today from Lamentations 5, we will meet the communal laments of the nation as they address their ongoing grief. Uh, Please have your Bibles open to Lamentations chapter 5. I'll be reading that out for us. That's Lamentations chapter 5, and this is God's Word. Remember, Lord, what has happened to us, look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become fatherless, our mothers are widows. We must buy the water we drink, our wood can be had only at a price. Those who pursue us are at our heels, we are weary and find no rest. We submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our ancestors sinned and are no more, and we bear their punishment. Slaves rule over us, and there is no one to free us from their hands. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the desert. Our skin is hot as an oven, feverish from hunger. Women have been violated in Zion and virgins in the towns of Judah. Princes have been hung up by their hands. Elders are shown no respect. Young men toil at the millstones. Boys stagger under loads of wood. The elders are gone from the city gate. The young men have stopped their music. Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us! for we have sinned because of this our hearts are faint because of these things our eyes grow dim for mount zion which lies desolate with jackals prowling over it you lord reign forever your throne endures from generation to generation why do you always forget us why do you forsake us so long restore to yourself Lord that we may return renew our days as of old unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure let's pray our Heavenly Father Lord as we look at this final chapter of lamentations Lord we pray that you would equip us to better deal with ongoing grief Father, we pray that as we open up your word now, that you would give us ears to hear. And Father, I pray all to be with me as I preach your word this morning. Give me clarity of speech and the conviction, the energy that is needed to preach your word this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. After a disaster, it's all hands on deck, isn't it? Send the foreign aid. Provide monetary relief. Deploy the troops if you have to. Let's just get in there and alleviate the suffering before things get worse. The question is, will help still be there a month after the storm? Will foreign aid still come? Will money still be sent? Once things have settled, will help still be there? Uh, We do this all the time, don't we? Something happens, someone falls seriously ill, the house burns down, someone dies. When tragedy strikes, it's all hands on deck. A meal roster is set up, help is given, phone calls and cards are made. Help has come to alleviate the suffering person, the suffering things before things get worse. Warmth is shown to alleviate the cold, numbing effects of loss. But what about a month after the tragedy? Will meals still be there? What about a year after the loss? Will cards and phone calls still be made? When the suffering and hurt is still felt, will warmth be shown to a still numb and grieving soul? Lamentations 5 is a poem of lament that addresses the day after tomorrow. Lamentations chapter 1 through to Lamentations 4 were laments in direct response to the destruction of Jerusalem. The feelings communicated were raw. They were painful. We saw bodies lying in the temple. Babies dying in their mother's arms. Elders sitting in the street in sackcloth with dust on their heads. Unsure what to do. And we saw tears flowing down the faces of the survivors as they lamented the destruction before their eyes. Lamentations 5 is the day after tomorrow. It's the month after, the year after tomorrow. Time has passed, but the grief is still there. Time has passed but the suffering has not stopped. The hurt is still real. In many ways, the pain is still raw. C.S. Lewis, when speaking about his own grief, said this. He said, Tonight, all the hills of young grief have opened again. The mad words, the bitter resentment, the fluttering in the stomach, the nightmare unreality, the wallowed in tears, for in grief, nothing stays put one keeps on emerging from a phase but it always recurs round and round everything repeats am i going in circles or dare i hope am i on a spiral but if a spiral am i going up or down it grief is not linear There is no 12-week course, 10 easy steps that can help one get over their grief. There are many here in this church who are still lamenting years after the tragedy, years after the death of a child, a parent or spouse. There is no fixed time given when the grief will stop, when the pain felt will go away. Lamentations 5 is the Lament of the day after, the month after, the year after the storm. It's the lament of those survivors expressing their grief to ongoing suffering after the destruction of Jerusalem. Our survivors, in their ongoing grief, have turned to God. They call out to the Lord. Look what they say at verse 1. They say, remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Verse 1 is a plea for God to look upon his people and to remember them. To see the plight they are currently in. To see their ongoing disgrace. And to act in accordance with his steadfast love and compassion to provide comfort to a still grieving soul. As we look at our community's disgrace, it reminds us that grief is ongoing. And in ongoing grief, our hope must be found in the Lord. In ongoing grief, our hope must be found in the Lord. Today we're going to be working from the following three points. Point number one, a community's ongoing hardships. Point number two, a community's ongoing humiliation. And point number three, a community's ongoing helplessness. The ongoing hardships, humiliation and helplessness of Jerusalem. Let's have a look at that first point together. Point number one, a community's ongoing hardships. Just because the cyclone has stopped does not mean the storm is over. The devastations of a storm will still require months, maybe years of rebuilding, before a village can move forward. The same is with us. Just because we've had the funeral service doesn't mean we are ready to move on. The loss of a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, or child will have ramifications for months or even years later. Let me just use one example, the example of a wife who has lost her husband. What has she lost? Well, the obvious answer is her husband. But she has lost so much more than that. McGilvray, in her book, Love and Action, says that when a woman loses her husband, she not only loses her husband, but she has lost her role as a wife. She may have lost friends now that she is a single and no longer a couple. Hopes and dreams have died with her husband. She may have even lost the family home, because without her husband, she can no longer afford the repayments. After the storm is over, There is still ongoing hardships. In 586 BC, Jerusalem was attacked. The temple was burnt down. The walls came down. There is destruction. There is famine. There are bodies in the street. But in chapter 5, there is no such description. What we hear about is the ongoing hardships after the attack. How long has it been? We aren't told. But the immediate overwhelming grief has passed. And before us now is prolonged grief that can continue years after the tragedy. The numbness has passed, but the disgrace still remains. Let's look at the grief expressed by those survivors. Look with me at verses 2 to 10. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become fatherless. Our mothers are widows. We must buy the water we drink. Our wood can be had only at a price. Those who pursue us are at our heels. We are weary and find no rest. We submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our ancestors sinned and are no more, and we bear their punishment. Slaves rule over us. And there is no one to free us from their hands. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the desert. Our skin is hot as an oven, feverish from hunger. From once being a city of gold, we heard about this last week. The survivors of Jerusalem are brought so low, so low that they are lacking the basics to survive. They are feeling weak. They are feeling broken. Do you see the ongoing hardships that they're enduring? Do you see how their strength has left them? And they have gone through destitution, destruction and death at the hands of the Babylonians. And now their ongoing hardships may prove just as fatal. Sometimes the ramifications to a tragedy can be worse than the actual event. As we think about COVID, we have often heard that here in Australia, the long-term debt and mental health challenges caused by COVID will be worse than the disease itself. Therefore, we must prepare, friends, for the ongoing hardships ahead of us. There may still be ramifications to come that will present further challenges. What these are, I don't know. But as our community calls out to God to see and act in their ongoing hardships, we must do the same. We need to look to Him as our source of hope. We need to look to God as our source of strength when we are feeling weak. In Lamentations 3, we were reminded, don't look, don't look at the terrain around you. Don't look at the hardships before you, but during hard times, look to Christ. Remember his steadfast love. Remember his promises. Remember what he is doing for you now. Jesus has done more than just die for your sins on the cross. Where is Jesus now, friends? What is he doing now? Well, he's at the Father's right side, interceding for you, helping you. Giving you strength now. Making you strong during those times of weakness, those times of hardships. So cast your eyes on Him. The One who can help you not only through the storm, but the One who will help you once the storm is over. He will continue to make you strong when you are feeling weak and feeling the weight of the ongoing hardships that you are going through. He will continue to help you once the storm is over. The next thing our text talks about is the disgrace of humiliation and this brings us to our second point. Point two, the community's ongoing humiliation. Lost can produce ongoing hardships and it also can bring us through seasons of being low. To the single mum that has lost her husband, it could mean swallowing her pride and moving back in with her parents. Having to work two part-time jobs while studying and somehow managing to look after the children. Asking favours from friends and family knowing that she has no means of returning the favour. Such a thing to do could feel very humiliating. A once strong woman made to feel so low years after losing her husband. Her grief remains in who and what she has lost. The pain is still there and it is felt in ongoing humiliation. As we turn our attention to our community of survivors, they have suffered already great humiliation. They have been despised by the nations, made to feel low. We saw in previous chapters how the nations would laugh at them, how the nations rejoiced in their suffering. Now time has passed since the destruction of Jerusalem, but the nations are continuing to humiliate, continuing to desecrate this community. With no protection and no safety, they are at the mercy of foreign nations. Just look at the humiliation of Jerusalem. Verse 11 Women have been violated in Zion and virgins in the towns of Judah. It's saying women and young women have been raped, they have been abused. Verse 12 Princes or nobility have been hung up by their hands, the nation's hands. Elders are shown no respect. Those once worthy of respect are being killed in the streets by hagging or impalement. These nations have no regard who they kill to them. Jerusalem are less than humans. And verse 13, young men toil at the millstones, boys stagger under loads of wood. This is saying boys are forced to do the work of animals until they collapse or break. Friends, do you see their ongoing humiliation? Do you see the humiliation that has befallen Jerusalem? They are made to feel less than human. Women are being raped. Men are being killed. Boys are made to work like animals. Are without the Lord's protection, without His sustaining hand, they have suffered greatly against the nations around them. And they are, perhaps years later, continue to be brought low. And it's in this disgrace that our community cries out to the Lord. See our disgrace. See our humiliation. They are asking for the Lord to see. They are asking the Lord, ultimately, to act. And again, this is a reminder to us that in ongoing grief, when things get hard, when we have been brought low, that in those seasons when we are asking for help and doing things that we don't want to do, that we need to look up. We need to look to Jesus as our source of strength. For in Jesus the low are raised up. The gospel is more than Jesus died for your sins. The gospel is also a message of how the low, how the humiliated, are brought high. They are given worth and value in Jesus. They are made an adopted child of God. Friends, you have been made an adopted child of God. The truths of the gospel remind us that we are more than a single woman with children doing it tough. We are more than a man ridiculed, made low by our superiors. The gospel reminds us the worth and value we have in God's eyes. Jesus died for us while we were his enemies. In our struggles, in our low points, he will continue to remind us that we are loved. We are valued. And we are more than our circumstances. The gospel reminds us that we are an adopted child of God in those seasons of humiliation, in those seasons when we feel low and worthless. We need to cast our eyes on Jesus and see the worth and love that we have been given in Him. And thirdly, our text reminds us, this is our next point, that grief produces ongoing helplessness. Point three, the community's ongoing helplessness. Uh, many of us would be familiar with the work of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who suggests that grief has five progressive stages. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. Grief, however, is much more complex than this. While kubler rosss work suggests how one moves forward when they know that they are dying, The same cannot, however, be applied to the one who has to keep on living when they have lost a loved one. In grief, after tragic loss, feeling lost, feeling helpless is not uncommon. And it's not uncommon to still feel helpless years after the loss. Our community has lost everything. Despite the war being over, The destruction has come to an end. They are still feeling lost. They are still feeling helpless. Look with me at verses 14 to 18, which says, The elders are gone from the city gate. The young men have stopped their music. Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim for Mount Zion, which lies desolate, with jackals prowling over it. Do you hear? Do you hear how lost and helpless they are? There is no joy in these words. Our community would be wondering, how do we live? How do we go on having lost everything? How do we go on when all we see is our hardships, our humiliation, and our helplessness? They who knew what it meant to live in wealth and prosperity, but because of their sin, they are now living in a city that has crumbled and fallen. Because of what they see, their hearts grow faint, And their eyes are filled with tears. Friends, helplessness must find its help in God. As we look at these 18 verses, we can see Jerusalem's helplessness. It's a summary of their continued ongoing pain and helplessness since the destruction of Jerusalem. And in many ways, it is still raw. And these words are still honest. Again, we need to be reminded that when we are feeling helplessness, our help must be in the Lord. Our passage shows us this with the community's plea. And we see this plea. As we see this plea, we notice the paradox of lament that they are wrestling with this searing pain of grief while wrestling with the good promises of God. Look with me at verses 19 to 22. It says, You, Lord, reigned forever your throne in yours from generation to generation why do you always forget us why do you forsake us so long restore us to yourself lord that we may return renew our days as of old unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure our community remembers the lord they remember that he sits enthroned in heaven They remember that He is sovereign and that He is in control. But they also see what is around them. They see their ongoing hardships, humiliation and helplessness, and they ask the Lord, why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us for so long? There is a plea not to be forgotten, and for the Lord to remember His people, to remember His covenant. And so after the plea comes the request, Restore us to Yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old. Our community is asking the Lord would come back, that He would return to them, that He would be their God and they would be His people. But look here at verse 22. There is uncertainty in their request. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. Do we see the paradox of pain and the wrestling with God's goodness? They know that they are God's covenant people. But they are not communing with God. Here our community has hope. And they know that their help must come from the Lord, the one who can see and act in their disgrace. But in the midst of their cries for hope, there is a dark cloud of despair, a dark cloud of confusion. Now, we can often feel like that, can't we? We ask ourselves, God, God, if you love me, why do bad things happen? God, if you love me, why are you putting me through this? We have to remember, friends, that during a season of grief, we need to, on our journey of lament, be reminded that our hope and comfort is in God. In our grief, we need to anchor our aching soul to His promises and to His goodness. And the reason we can do this is because of the hope that we have been given in Jesus. And hope doesn't mean that there will be no suffering. Hope, however, provides comfort that there is an end to the suffering. I think our New Testament passage from 1 Thessalonians speaks to us in this. It says, we are told that we are not to grieve as others who have no hope. On that day, when the Lord Jesus returns, Jesus will raise us to life. All those who are united to Him will be raised first. In other words, at the resurrection, we will see our Christian brothers and sisters again. We will see our loved ones again. We have the hope of eternity. I remember listening to a podcast and on the podcast, the question was asked, Why does God create a child to live for two minutes? Why does God create a child to live for two minutes? And the answer given was, God didn't create that child to live for two minutes. God created that child to live for eternity. Whether we live for two minutes or 70 years here on earth, when we have eternity in mind, the difference between the two is unnoticeable. God created His people to live for eternity. He created us to live for eternity with one another. Last week we were reminded from Revelation that when the Lord Jesus returns and brings about the new heavens and the new earth, the Lord will dwell again with his people. And when he does, there will be no more sin, no more pain, for the curse of sin will be done away with. The Jews asked for the restoration of their people. However, God's plans, His plans for restoration includes the whole world. To reverse the full effects of the fall. So look forward to that hope, friends. Look forward to that hope. The hope that the suffering will end. Fix your eyes on eternity. During those times of grief, we need to hear the gospel and the hope that we have in Christ. The gospel is so much more than a message that brings us salvation. The gospel is also a message that makes us fix our eyes on Jesus during those dark seasons of despair. Let me end today with some practical application for those of us walking with others during their grief. And I have three suggestions that I want to make. The first is, sit with them in their grief. As I think about the story of Job, I think the best thing that his friends did was just sit with him for an an entire week in silence. If your loved one is lying in bed, feeling feeling numb, lie down with them. Be with them in their grief. Grief can sometimes make us feel so numb that we don't know how to deal with our emotions. It will take some time before we are ready to speak. And when we speak, be there to listen. I'm reminded of what Kim said to us a few weeks ago when he preached from the book of James, and he he spoke about the taming of the tongue. And he mentioned that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. That God gave us two ears and one tongue. So we should spend more time listening than we do talking. When Job started speaking I think the greatest mistake his friends made is that they stopped listening and started talking. Be there to listen. Give your loved one permission to speak the pains they are going through. Help them as they say those raw emotional words. The Book of Lamentation gives us permission to speak those raw, emotional words. So give your loved ones permission to speak those words too. My second suggestion is, speak the truths of the gospel. As your grieving loved one shares those emotional raw words and they describe what they're going through, listen to what they have to say. Repeat back what they're saying. Make sure that they feel as if they've been heard name up what they're going through and then speak the truths of the gospel to them. If they speak about being lost and trapped in darkness, name that up and speak to them about the warmth and light found in Jesus. If they speak about feeling low and unworthy, acknowledge what they're feeling but then remind them about the worth and high standing they have in Christ. If they speak about feeling weak and unable to go on, cry with them and speak the comforting words about their strength and hope found in Jesus. Lament is wrestling with the paradox of pain and the good promises of God. And my third suggestion, don't be a flash in the fry pan. I open up today that we can be very good at being a people that is all hands on deck after a tragedy strikes. It's my hope that through today's message, you see that grief is not a flash in the fry pan. Grief does not necessarily have an endpoint. There is ongoing hardships, ongoing humiliation, ongoing helplessness. If a loved one has come to you in their time of need, in many ways they have given you Permission to ask how they're going a month later, a year after the tragedy. If a friend has said to you, my parents are going through a divorce and they are terribly grieved. If they have shared with you the outcome has left them estranged from a parent. Feel free to ask them how they're going a month after the encounter. Ask them a year after if they have heard from their mum or their dad. After the death of a spouse, write in your diary the anniversary of their death or their birthday. Send them a card. Send them flowers. Ring them up and ask how they are going. Sit with them. Pray with them. Don't be a flash in the fry pan. We are about to stand and sing the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And it is a hymn written by Horatio Spafford after a series of traumatic events in his life. The death of his son, followed by being financially ruined and then losing his four daughters as they traveled from America to England by boat. He penned this hymn as he himself traveled to England to meet his grieving wife who had sailed with their four daughters ahead of him. Let me read the opening, painful, heartfelt words that he penned. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, lest this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul as a reminder to each of us that in our ongoing grief, we must cast our eyes on Jesus for the day after, the month after, the year after the storm. He will continue to be our hope, our strength. And our help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, we give you thanks that Jesus is our hope, our strength, and our help. Father, in the midst of ongoing grief, by your Spirit, help us to cast our eyes on Jesus. Father, I pray for my grieving brothers and sisters here that you will comfort them by your spirit. Lord, that you would speak to them the comforting words of the gospel. And I pray for those of us who will come alongside them, that you would equip us to walk with our loved ones during their time of grief. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the book of Lamentations, that in this book you have given us the words, the knowledge, and the theology of how to walk in grief, and how to fix our eyes on Jesus as we go through the storm. And Lord, how to continue to fix our eyes on Jesus after the storm. Lord, we just pray all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Saviour Jesus. Amen. Thanks, musicians.